Well, good morning. I want to welcome those uh, here at 9.30, those uh, at the Well Cafe today. If we have not met, my name is David, uh, and it is good to be with you, especially if you are a first-time guest with us. Uh, We appreciate uh, the opportunity to share this time of worship with you. Uh, And one of the things that we believe, one of our core values, is that everyone has the next step. And I want to mention up front uh, just a few possible next steps for you as a new year uh, begins. Uh, First, uh, your next step might be joining a small group or starting a small group of your own. And if that is you, if God would lead you in that direction, I want to encourage you after worship uh, in the atrium, our group life team is there and they'd love to to help you connect in that particular way. The other thing I want to mention is if you've been visiting for quite some time and you find yourself uh, feeling more and more at home and you uh, may even think, and this is is where I want to be, and you're interested in uh, potentially making a membership commitment to our church, uh, we do that at an event called Starting Point, and that is today at 12.30, so right after uh, the 11 o'clock worship hour. Uh, Starting Point is a place where uh, I share our mission, our vision, our values. Uh, We talk about what this church is all about, and we talk about what it means to be a member of the church. Uh, And then you have a chance, uh, if you so choose, to to make that commitment. It lasts about an hour, and we will have lunch, so uh, don't worry about that. Uh, If you are uh, available, we'd love to, to have you come. Uh, and, and be a part of that. And, and you're all available because the Cowboys lost, so you don't care about the rest of the team anyways, right? Some of you do. I, I know that you, uh, that you do. This is the second week of this series, What the Bible Doesn't Say. Uh, more specifically, we're talking about those things that we say that the Bible doesn't say. We might understand these as half-truths, uh, phrases uh, that we often share uh, that we hope are encouraging or uplifting, or, uh, but, but in reality, they're not really grounded uh, in the full understanding of, of Scripture and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And last week I started by sharing with you just my own bias on a question that's really at the heart of this series, uh, which is what is the Bible? Uh, And so as a pastor, here's how I understand what the Bible is and how it works uh, within our life. The first thing is that the Bible is the overarching story of God and God's relationship with God's world. The other word that you could uh, use here is that it's the unfolding story of God and God's relationship uh, with God's world. I would argue that as you continue to read the Bible from the first page to the last page, you get a bigger and more full picture of who God is and the relationship that God God is seeking to develop with the world and each person in the world. The second thing that I mentioned was that it does not answer every question, but it enables a relationship with a God who is bigger than any question that we might ask. And I told you we'd come back to this each and every week, uh, and here's one of the reasons why I'm convinced that most people don't think about the Bible this way. Now, that doesn't mean that last week when I shared this, I had 100 emails in my inbox saying, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Most, uh, most would not necessarily disagree with this, but I, in my experience as a pastor, most people do see the Bible as a place where you find all the answers to, to life's most significant questions. And that thinking influences our practice because if you're in a season of life where you don't really have any questions, you don't really have any incentive or any need to open the book that may have some answers. And so the Bible sits on the shelf, it gathers dust, and until we find ourselves in a place where we 
need an answer to a significant question and we open up the Bible and we try to find it and when we can't, we call the pastor because we assume that he or she knows where the answer is and they'll give us the verse that we really need to carry us through that season of life. Uh, That's also how these half-truths work their way into our thinking. And it's why, uh, at least here, you're always going to hear the pastor nagging you about bringing your Bible to church. Uh, It's why we do things like pastor's Bible study. I do that every week, Wednesdays, 9.30 to 10.30. It's in the chapel, but it's also broadcast online, archived on the website. There's a little plug for you. That takes a lot of time to get ready for, but we invest in that because we believe the Bible is one of the ways that we build a relationship with God. Uh, We produce a resource for you Monday through Saturday every week. We write it. We share it with you. It's called First 15. It's about uh, a resource for you to give the first 15 minutes of your day to God and your relationship with God, investing in the Scriptures. We do all those things because we believe that the Bible is one of the ways that we build and we grow in our relationship with God. It's something that we should engage with on a regular basis because of what it does in us and how it reveals God to us. And so the the topic for today is something that you have probably heard and you have even probably shared with someone else in your life. Uh, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, uh, but this is, uh, this is the phrase, God will not give you more than you can handle. And if it's something that you have heard or more specifically something you've shared, it's probably something that you've shared hoping to be helpful. You know, when, when we know someone who's in a, in a time of need, our desire is to help them. We want to say something that's going to be encouraging. And so we, uh, we think this is something that's going to be uh, encouraging for them. And, and we share it. And again, maybe that's why uh, you have uh, heard that from someone else. But I want to introduce a word into our reflection today that is a word you don't often hear in church because throughout Christian history, it's sort of associated with, well, it is associated with some terrible things. And the word is heresy. Now what does heresy mean? Heresy is a belief or an opinion that is contrary to orthodox religious belief or doctrine. Now, what does that word orthodox mean? That may not be a word that you use on a regular basis. Uh, Let me give you an example of what an unorthodox belief would be. An unorthodox belief would be that the world is flat. Okay, it's commonly assumed among us uh, that the world is in fact round. That's the backup just in case I need this microphone keeps popping. Okay, so that would be an unorthodox belief. In other words, what we would consider to be heresy is that which is not a common belief uh, among Christians living in the world. It is something that undermines the fundamental understanding of uh, Christianity, regardless of denomination, type of church that you're a part of. It's one of the things that is, uh, again, it undermines how we understand the Christian faith. And, and this, I introduced this word because I want to suggest to you that this is one of the most commonly accepted forms of heresy in the church today. It's an expression of what we call deism, which is the belief that God created the world and then God decided just to leave the world alone. That God has no continuing interaction with the world, uh, that we are essentially all on our own. 
Uh, it is a way of understanding uh, the relationship in that way that we're just going to have to figure it all out and it's okay because whatever life gives us, uh, we can handle whatever it is. It's a, it's a way of saying we don't really need God. We don't really need Jesus. We don't really need uh, that power and strength in our life. Uh, it is a way of seeing ourselves as more than we are, which we love to do. And it's a way of seeing God as less than God is. It's a fundamental misunderstanding of the relationship that we see God seeking to build with each and every one of us and how we understand the identity purpose of Christ at work in our life. So let me just give you a couple examples of this. The other thing that we would say about uh, this understanding is it denies what we all know to be true. It denies what we all know to be true about the human condition, the way in which uh, we all live. And, and this is how the Apostle Paul describes this in a familiar verse. Uh, I'm going to read to you, uh, read to you at first in the NIV version, and then I'm going to share with you in the message version because it's a little bit more contemporary expression of, this, uh, of these words. Uh, Romans 7 verse 19, Paul says, this, for I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil that I do not want to do, that is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Now here a more contemporary expression of that. This is a, from the Message Bible. I obviously need help. <laughs> I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to be bad, but then I do it anyways. My decisions such as they are don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly do delight in God's commands. But it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and he does. Or, or listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, familiar words, beginning in verse 28, Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Which of course raises this question, if God doesn't give us more than we can handle, then why did Jesus come? We'll come back to that. But first let's talk about why this belief is enticing, why, why we like believing sometimes that God won't give us more than we can handle. What's enticing is that we get to maintain control. We, we don't ever have to admit to anyone else, we don't ever have to admit to God that we need help. We get to continue in the, in the false notion that we can take care of ourselves 
and, and, and everyone else can just keep going about their own business because we don't need anyone's help in whatever we are facing in our life. It allows us to persist, to, to maintain the facade that everything here is a-okay and no one needs to worry about me. That's what's attractive and enticing about it, but, but let's also think about what's damaging about this idea. I want to read you something that Pastor Shea wrote uh, this week, uh, reflecting on uh, this idea. Uh, he wrote, God will not give you more than you can handle, can easily be interpreted and heard as just one more reason that I am a failure. I can't handle my current circumstances. My life at home is in chaos. My boss has given me a deadline I know I cannot meet. This is, by the way, not a personal testimony from Shay, okay? <laughs> Knowing how unable I feel to handle my life, it also feels like I'm letting down God. This past fall, we had the chance to uh, at a quarterly event we have called Guys Night Out uh, to have a speaker named Bo Glenn. And we invited Bo for two reasons. The first is um, uh, he has founded a ministry called the Father-Son Connection. Uh, and we're doing an event with them uh, coming up, uh, I think it's March 23rd. It's a one-day event for fathers and sons. Uh, it's a time for guys to uh, get away to do guy things like play paintball and, and, and uh, eat meat. Uh, but it is also, uh, it's also a time uh, where Bo works with fathers and sons and, uh, and helps fathers express to their sons uh, three important things. I know you, I love you, and I'm proud of you. Uh, to help uh, fathers talk to their sons about what it means to be a godly man, to go in righteousness and, and to pr pursue purity in their life. And, uh, and, and so we invited him because we were going to be, be doing that, uh, but we also invited him because Bo is a man's man. And ladies, I know this doesn't make any sense to you, which is why we have guys night out and we don't invite you, okay? But he, he, he is a man's man. This is what that means. Bo is someone you could drop in the middle of nowhere and you just have this sense that if he had a number two pencil and some chapstick, he'd be totally fine. He would somehow survive. That's, why we, that's what we mean by uh, he's a guy's guy. He's a man's man. And so uh, we went to dinner with him to prepare for the event. And, and over the course of uh, the conversation, someone asked him this question, what have you learned? since starting this ministry and his response was well can I tell you a story and of course we were like yeah because we were thinking this is a story where he got dropped in the middle of nowhere with chapstick and a number two pencil you know and then somehow he survived and the story actually started out that way he talked about one of his passions was rock climbing and so he said, we were on vacation, my wife and I, and I was going out for a climb. And as I was leaving, I told my wife, if I'm not back by six, there's a problem. You should call the park ranger. So he goes out for this climb and, and, and he said, I came to a spot where uh, it, was, it, was, it was a tough spot and I probably should have turned around, but I just thought if I can get past this one tough spot, I, everything will be okay. So he kept climbing and he said, as I kept climbing, it just, it just got worse and worse until I found myself at a place where I was just totally stuck. I couldn't keep going and I couldn't go back. There was no safe next step. And he said, I found myself on a ledge that was about three inches deep uh, with a few crevices uh, that I could put my fingers in and, and hold myself to the side of that mountain. And he said, as, as I was holding myself there, the fr at first I just started thinking about all the questionable decisions that had led to that particular predicament. <laughs> 
But then he also remembered what he shared with his wife that, again, if six o'clock rolls around and I'm not back, there's a problem called a park ranger. And, and he knew that it was getting close to six. And so he thought, well, someone's going to come and rescue me. But the hours just continued to, to go by and darkness came. And he said, eventually, I, I realized that I was in a very desperate situation. His, his muscles were locking up a little bit. He knew he was already dehydrated. And so he made this decision. He thought, thought this all the way through. He, he decided that every 15 minutes, he was going to call out for help, hoping that the people who he knew were looking for him would hear his voice and they would be able to locate him. And so that was his plan. He was going to call out for help, and he said, uh, I, I made a plan, and then, then I, I finally executed the first time. I said, help. And he thought, well, that, that's not going to work. And so he, he said, help. And he said, it was at that moment that I realized just how hard it was for me to cry out for help. Now, eventually he was screaming. <laughs> And his voice was heard, and he was rescued, and he was helped down that mountain in what he described as one of the most embarrassing and transformative experiences of his life. And this is what he said. He said, this is what I've learned. Uh, that experience taught me how unable I once was and how deeply I now need to have the courage to cry out to God for help. Uh, let me show you where this idea may come from for, for you. First uh, Corinthians 10 uh, verse 13. Uh, go ahead and go back to the other slide. Cover this up. Okay, there we go. It comes from just a portion of Scripture, the, the, the middle of 1 Corinthians 13. God is faithful. He will not tempt you beyond what you can bear. But here's the rest of the verse. Here's the beginning and here's the end. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. In other words, we're all in the same boat. But when you are tempted, God, He will provide a way out so that you can endure. What does God provide? What does God give? When we find ourselves in need, when we're in a, in a situation in life that is unbearable, where we think, I can't handle this. Well, the first thing God gives is God. God gives you God. So, so right now, you might just think about the, the moment in your life of your deepest need. You might think about the darkest hour of your life, the most significant lo uh, loss that you've experienced in your life, uh, your uh, uh, clearest reminder of the frailty of your life and the frailty of our existence. And what I want you to hear is, you go back to that question of why did Jesus come? Jesus came for those moments and Jesus came for those reasons. Jesus came for the moment when I was 23 years old and at the end of the night I got a phone call that one of my best friends had been killed in a car accident. And Jesus came for her, but Jesus also came for that night that I spent in that sanctuary just crying my eyes out, thinking about that loss. And if you've had an experience like that in your own life, Jesus came for those moments in our life. 
Jesus, uh, uh, God gives us God, but God also gives us grace. And the way we would typically think about grace is that grace forgives us, grace redeems us, grace sustains us. But here's what else grace means. Grace means that it's okay to not be okay. Do you know that? That it's okay to not be okay. Those are words that I often share with a family and a, at a funeral service who've had a significant loss. It's okay that you're not okay today. It's okay that you, you find yourself in a place where you can't stop crying. And it's even okay where you find yourself at a place where you're crying out to God saying, why? Why? Grace says it's okay that I'm not okay. And God gives to us one another. God gave to me that night that I spent in tears. God gave to me a friend who sat with me for that entire night who just sat with me and cared for me. And maybe you've had an experience in your life where there was just someone who was there. It wasn't what they said. It wasn't what they did. It was simply their presence. It was a shoulder to lean on. Maybe it was even a moment where someone else was literally holding you up. That was a gift of God. That's what God provides. That's one of the ways that he helps us endure those experiences of life. God also gives us unexpected strength that we didn't know was possible. And it's not as a result of our own will, it's as a result of God's Spirit and the power of God's Spirit at work in our life. As we surrender to God, as we cry out to God for help, the way God strengthens us. And in every circumstance and situation that we face, God gives us a choice. We get to choose how we will respond. We get to choose whether we decide just to bottle it up and say, I don't need anybody's help. I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. I'm just somehow going to get through it. Or God gives us the choice to respond in a very different way. The choice to respond in a way that understands who God really is and what God really wants for us. If you walked in today and you found yourself thinking, you know, life's getting, life's been hard recently. If you would describe your worst day as a day when you feel like you're drowning and your best day as a day where you're just treading water and maybe you're thinking, I know these muscles eventually are going to wear out. And if walking through that season of your life, you've thought to yourself, I just got to keep going. I got to take care of this myself because surely God wouldn't give me more than I can handle. Here is what above all else I want you to hear. That faith isn't gutting it out alone. Faith is crying out to God. Faith is crying out out of our belief and trust that God hears us, cares for us, and is ever ready to respond to the needs that we have in our life. It isn't gutting it out alone. It's having the courage to cry out to God. And so if life feels like you're just hanging on a ledge on the side of a mountain, Don't ever be afraid to call out for help. Don't ever be afraid to embrace weakness 
Don't ever be afraid to acknowledge to God or to someone else that you have a need. Don't ever be afraid to cry out to the God who loves you, the God who cares for you, the God who is ready to respond to your every need. Because this is what faith is really all about. Let's pray together. Lord, today I, I affirm in my own life and on behalf of my brothers and sisters that life is always more than we can handle. That we experience things on a regular basis that are beyond our capacity. And that, Lord, part of the damage that we bring into our life is when we try to handle those things on our own. We don't turn to others for help. We don't turn to you. We find our situation getting worse and worse and and our despair only growing as a result. So we pray, Lord, for the courage to trust in you, to cry out to you, to, to acknowledge our need, to admit our weakness, and in doing so, Lord, to again experience your power at work in our lives, strengthening us, holding us up, enabling us in some ways to endure those most difficult moments we experience in life. For anyone here, Lord, who's at that place, I pray, Lord, that your grace would speak into their heart and in their life, reminding them it's okay to not be okay that you are more than enough to carry each and every one of us in those times when our strength is gone and we find ourselves in such deep need. And these things we pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen.